0: friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is
1: Becoming Buffy. Welcome back to our second portion of What's My Line?" Part 2, Scooby Secrets. This is the section of this podcast episode where we talk about everything spoilery. So if you're hopping in and you're like, oh, I'm not sure what this episode is, just as a fair warning, we will be talking about everything in Buffy. And then everything in the show Angel as well. So if you don't want to know spoilers, then you can catch us for the next episode. But I'm excited to get into this one because I feel like I had so much more to say in the non-spoiler version of this episode. And looking at my notes, like, I'm like, oh, like there's a few things I could say, but I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say because I feel like there's a lot more that I missed. And there's so much like character development in this one that we could talk about with like future episodes. And we have Kendra, which is super exciting.
0: Yeah, I think that this is one of those episodes where there may not be, you know, a ton in the episode that's like, oh, you know, this is sticks out to me as being super foreshadowy, but it's more of like the overall workings of what's going on will be affecting the the show in future. Like mm-hmm. you have, you now have a second Slayer, which we know in the future of the show becomes Like, huge, because then eventually, when Kendra dies, Faith comes in, and then after Faith, you have the expansion to all the Slayers. I honestly firmly believe that the knowledge that there could be more than one Slayer, which inevitably leads to the finale of the show, starts with the fact that there's two Slayers.
1: Yeah, that's true. I always get so excited whenever they introduce Kendra, because, like, I just, my mind immediately goes to Faith. And it makes me really excited for like next season. But I also really adore Kendra. I just wish we had more of her. Yeah.
2: I was listening to Passion of the Nerds YouTube uh, mm-hmm. analysis because he has some really good stuff. And I thought that it might be kind of cool to carry over here. And he actually said something similar to what we said about um, part one. And I would argue even to a certain extent part two. He was talking about how he goes – these episodes are really difficult to analyze. And I was like, oh, yeah, why is that? And he was talking about how they're just kind of jam-packed with a lot of stuff. And there's not any central theme that kind of, like, glues it all together other than the fact that, like, Buffy is wrestling with her identity of, like, oh, maybe I don't have to have the calling Mm -hmm. of a slayer. But that's, like, there's not really any metaphor underneath there. It's pretty, like, surface level. Like, you see her wrestling with it, and it doesn't really get a ton deeper than that. But he was talking about how – Part one and part two are the linchpin of the season, which I fully agree with because you finally mm. see Spike and Drusilla like actually doing their plan and moving forward from that. And then from here on out, it changes everything because Drusilla is now the person that's in charge and- Then it's setting up for Angelus and all that stuff. But he was talking about how part one and part two are very fun to watch. And the reason why is because there is a lot of fan service. And we talked about how there is so much Mm -hmm. payoff. Like if you've watched the rest of the show, then it really makes a lot of sense, everything that happens. And it's been such a slow burn with Cordelia and Xander and Willow and Oz and all that stuff. But I thought that was a really good point, and I think that like we kind of felt that way when we were watching it, but didn't quite know how to put it into words. That we love these episodes and they're really fun to watch, but they're not necessarily like super deep to analyze.
0: I I also just thought that as a whole, like this episode was huge in laying fundamental themes and character motivations that we're gonna see for the rest of the show like it really opened up Buffy in a way that i think that we've been seeing bits and pieces of her but it really kind of exposed more of what she desires um than i think we've seen before same with like uh willow and xander like i think that each of them kind of got like a little layer of them peeled back and i just think that it's very rewarding to start to see these characters get more and more established.
2: Right. Well, Lie to Me was all about maturity and responsibility that comes with growing up. And then you had the dark age, which was, you know, as you become an adult, you still wrestle with addiction and problems and stuff. And then you have What's My Line where she's like, crap, what am I going to become as an adult? Mm -hmm. And What's My Line Part 1? And then What's My Line Part 2 is interesting because she's like, in the previous episode, man, I I don't – I want to have a normal life. I want to have a normal life. And then all of a sudden, wham, Kendra's there and Kendra's our really good slayer. Like she's the quintessential slayer and Buffy's like, now there's a slayer that's possibly better at her job than I am. So really, is there a place for me in this world? And I feel
1: like becoming is such a perfect overall theme for this season because then you have like, just like Sarah said, you have those building up episodes and you're like, okay, like we're going somewhere. We're having to face a lot of these questions. And then having part one and part two of what's my line, it's like, It's absolutely named too for one because it's like oh like what am I supposed to be doing and we're like where do I fit in Mm -hmm. like what's my future like and then as she's wrestling through these ideas of like what's my life gonna be in the future like and then thinking about her relationship with Angel as well which we saw in the past couple episodes it's like they're kind of having to face this whole like oh you're a lot older than I am and like um I think what episode is the one where she talks about like having a family and he says he can't have kids. Is that lie to me? Oh, no, that, I think that's bad eggs. I don't think we've even gotten to that. Oh shoot, i I, I hate doing things out of order because yeah, no, yeah,
2: I know <laughs> we recorded Bad Eggs with Bex, which is coming up in just a few short weeks, which I'm really excited
1: about. but yeah. yeah, um, but then you have like things where they have to kind of face a lot of the hard questions that we as viewers have been thinking about for a long time. Yep. um yeah, I don't know, like it it's it leads somewhere and then you're like, oh, shoot you're kind of catching along to where Buffy's feeling cuz i think Buffy's been kind of like in the back of her mind kind of like thinking about this but i think when it's having to be forefront and what she's doing in her life it's a lot harder to kind of face.
0: Yeah. I will say there is one thing that i've been so excited to talk about for when Kendra came in and i like i i think i mentioned it a few times in the podcast honestly sometimes it's really hard to remember what you mention and what you don't. <laughs> But one thing I've really always loved about the show is obviously the Slayers. It's like the main part of the show. But it's how each Slayer is meant to kind of like show why Buffy stands out. And I love that they did that. Like, because you have Kendra and Faith. And obviously we'll get into Faith more when she actually comes in the show. But in the first part of... No, sorry, in the second part of What's My Lance to so this episode, we see that, like, Kendra is exactly what Giles and the Watcher's Council and probably even Buffy would have thought a Slayer would be. Very by the book, you know, memorized everything there ever is, dedicates her whole life to being a Slayer. Like, Slayer is everything to her. And we've seen that, you know, Buffy kind of is not like that. She's much looser and more like carefree and instinctual instinctual and i like that they bring kendra in in a season where buffy needed to learn what being a slayer really was it was not a job it was who she is being a slayer is like more than just her occupation and i think that's why they added in the career field into these episodes um and so i think that kendra is meant to kind of bring that out of buffy and show her that she needs to be a little bit more structured but that Buffy's kind of instinctiveness is what saves her in the end. Um, and then after this season, you have Faith who comes in, who kind of rocks the boat and is the opposite spectrum. Mm-hmm. And she is no rules, no boundaries, like complete wild card. And I like that it kind of makes Buffy go the other end where she's like, okay, shoot, I have to be more rules. I have to be more this because I cannot allow myself to be out of control. And abuse my power. And so I like that each Slayer is its own character, but they also work really, really well in showcasing why Buffy is so amazing and why Buffy has stayed alive and why she's different than other like Slayers. And I just think that they did it really, really, really well. And it just has always been very intriguing to me.
1: And I think that makes so much sense because in my mind, I feel like every time they bring in, which has been twice, but Every time they brought in a new slayer, it fits where Buffy is in her life and kind of pushes her to kind of grow in the area that she needs to grow in the moment. So I think it makes sense why they killed off Kendra as much as it sucks. I think I understand why. Because in the second season, just like we talked about, she's kind of becoming who she is becoming into her, like her power and like understanding her slayer life and her slayer role. And I think like if I had like an alternate title for Buffy the vampire slayer, it would be like, Buffy really goes through it or something like that where it's like she gets like an inch of hope for something and she's like oh I don't have to be the only slayer and then she kind of like or Kendra tells her hey like being a slayer is not a job it's who you are and everything and then in becoming part one and part two she's kind of really understanding that and taking it on as her life and then Kendra dies and then she has to take on that part of the Slayer as well without Kendra being there and having to really be like, all right, this is who I am. I really have to like go for it. And then Faith comes in and questions everything she's been doing and shows her kind of how dark she can become. She's forced to look at her own morals and look at her own identity and really just have to stick by that rather than just doing things because that's what she's Told to do, and I think it makes sense that it's her like her senior year of high school because like you really have to, especially when you're graduating. I think you're like forced to deal with a lot of questions and find out who you really are, and then you move on with your life. And so it makes sense why they put faith in season three because she kind of questions all of that.
2: Yeah, it's hard because I think that Kendra, in a lot of ways, was kind of a placeholder Slayer. I think that they. Knew that they wanted to do a Dark Slayer storyline, but they had already established that Kendra was this straight-laced, by-the-book slayer, and they had to have her die. So that is motivation for Buffy to be like, okay, I have fully accepted that slaying is who I am. And also to kind of like show that this is what happens to slayers, like hammering home once again that being a slayer means you're going to die, basically. Do
1: you think that, that that was their purpose when they first brought in Kendra? Oh,
0: yeah,
2: Kendra was brought in to die. They knew she was going
1: to die from the beginning.
0: Hmm. And it makes it even more disappointing that she's
1: a woman of color.
0: Yeah, Yeah, like that's the the character that they were planning on killing. Yeah. Is the woman of color.
2: Yeah, Gosh. she was literally the slayer that was meant to die.
0: Oh, um, that's so
2: infuriating. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. And the thing is, is that I think Kendra herself was a really important linchpin and a really important character. And so I don't begrudge that. It's just is frustrating that she was a person of color and the only person of color aside from Jenny, who was, you know, a gypsy. But the thing is, is that, you know, you have Kendra here, who is literally the embodiment of slayer. And she is supposed to help Buffy recognize that, like she says, slaying is not a job. It is who she is because Kendra fully has accepted that part of herself. Like sh- she is all Slayer. And so for Buffy, she needs to accept that. And that's, she does accept that. That's why at the very end, when, you know, Angel says, no weapons, no friends, no hope, take all that way. What do you have left? And Buffy says, me, what is me? Me is Buffy girl and Slayer fully combined. Um, and so when, Faith comes in, and I know we're jumping way ahead, but faith essentially is, okay, so you've accepted that you're a slayer. Can you accept that there's a dark side of the slay? Or Mm -hmm. can you accept that there's a dark side of the slayer as well? Mm. Or maybe let's like dip our toes into it because I think season five is when you really start to deal with that. But season three is very much of, hey – You're all Slayer. What happens if you realize you're above the law? What happens if you realize Mm, that you can do whatever you want, and that you know you you need a little bit of that Kendra that says, "Hey, there has to be rules. There has to be order." And that's where I think Buffy ultimately falls is somewhere between Kendra and Faith. She finds the balance, and the reason she finds the balance is what is it that Kendra and Faith both miss? They both don't have family and friends. They don't have people that pull them back to Earth. But on either side of the spectrum. Right. And so if Kendra had friends and family, they would ground her and allow her to accept more of her human side, her Mm -hmm. normal girl side. And if Faith had friends and family, she'd realize that she doesn't need to lord her power over people that she can actually use it for good and not hit people over the head with it and try and, and abuse her power, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just like – that was like a brief summary of the first three seasons. But <laughs> – All right. We're done. See you in season four. Seriously. <laughs> no. I want to talk about season three. It's good. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. It's just interesting to watch each Slayer kind of play a role. And it's it's just really good. Um, It is just – it is, once again, frustrating that Kendra was cut so short.
1: I didn't know that that was their whole purpose of bringing her in. So yeah. that, ugh, that makes me really sad. Yep. Yep, yep. They could have chosen any white person like they did with, you know, any other white male or white female that died in the show.
0: Yeah. Or it's like, why couldn't they have, as much as I love the girl who played Faith, I think she did Faith perfectly. Yeah, she did. Why couldn't they have a person of color play the one slayer that was actually going to, like... Stick around. Survive. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think their whole point with making Kendra a person of color is because they wanted to hammer home that she was not from America because I think they wanted to – Put add another layer or another reason of why Giles didn't know a second slayer had been called.
1: And it was also Mm -hmm. specific. We could have someone come from Canada, though, who's still white. (laughs) Well, someone, I
2: mean, I think it was Passion of the Nerd who was talking about why didn't, couldn't you have had someone from France or someone from Japan that didn't speak the language? That would have been interesting having to have like a translator, having them like to figure out how to work together with a language barrier. Um, Mm -hmm. but the thing is, is that they wanted her to look ethnic. Because they wanted to throw you off and think that she was one of the Order of Taraka.
0: Oh. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like, there's – I don't see an issue with, like, uh, having a person of color act as Kendra. What I do have an issue with is that that's the only person of color they try to put in the main cast. And then she dies in the same season she's introduced. She literally has three episodes. Yeah.
2: All right. So let's jump into the episode and talk about a few things. Um, I would say that the main driving force for part one and part two is to really solidify Buffy and Angel's relationship and to also kind of show you a little bit more of a glimpse of Angelus so that when he pops up, you're really and truly scared and afraid. Mm-hmm. Because part one, you see him entering in and actually torturing Willie. And then in part two, you see him baiting Spike and Drusilla. Or Spike, I guess. And that's when you're kind of like, mm, this is a sight of Angel we normally haven't seen.
1: There's so much to be thankful for in the show, Angel. And I think that they like kind of showed the whole twisted sexual relationship between Angelus and Drusilla because mm-hmm. it makes the scene so much more impactful. Because, I mean, you'll see later on in season two, and Angelus like tortures Spike all the time when it comes to Drusilla. But seeing him kind of start that right here and knowing why Spike is so frustrated Mm. and like jealous of Angelus Mm -hmm. it just like it makes the scene so much more like oh gosh but I I don't know that's what sucks about when you build off of a world after you've introduced it to make things fit and work well and I don't know which I would prefer like watching the scene how I did watch it where I was like oh there's stuff we don't know about this is interesting or watching the scenes that are flashbacks first and then watching this scene. It's kind of like the whole Star Wars where it's like the originals like barely have any action. And I love Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. But it's like I'm going to get so much hate for this. But like 4, 5, and 6 are, are really good. They're very fundamental. There's a lot of dialogue. But there's like very little action. And then you have the prequels where it's like they build off of the past and then you're like, okay, which one would I watch first? Even though everyone saw four, five, and six, but it's like if you watch the prequels, you understand why four and five and six are the way that they are. Um, but- I don't know. I think there's a huge payoff in watching like Angel season
2: five when you really start to see all the backstory for yeah. Spike and Drusilla and being like, ah, oh, it's been like, what, eight years and we're finally seeing what happened because up to then it's been speculation and analysis and to see that all kind of, pay off and then know that they weren't quite sure where they were going to go with it back in season two but it all is so cohesive and works you know
1: I just wish we had more backstory in Buffy in general I feel like we have very few flashbacks in my opinion like we only have like a couple Um, I think Spike sometimes gets a little bit more than Angel does in Buffy yeah but Angel has his own show there's no need for it you know yeah I'm just saying like I mean some like Buffy fans don't haven't even seen Angel so they're missing a ton of it which, yeah,
0: but I mean that's not really on Buffy. That's on them.
2: Yeah, I and honestly, if Buffy had all of that, there would be no need to watch Angel. <laughs> like True. Angel is really good because you have all the flash. I mean, it's good for other things too. But I really appreciate the flashbacks because it makes mm-hmm. the Buffy world seem so full. Yeah, um, and that's actually I wanted to point out real fast. So when you have Angel kind of baiting Spike and teasing him about Drusilla and stuff, it's so interesting because it is inferred. Like heavily inferred that Angel um, sexually abused Drusilla when he turned her, because you have her tied, and then you have him and Darla standing right there, and she's crying, and then like, yeah, they, just the way they're uh-huh. talking about it and stuff. So the idea That's is so that sad. Angel killed her family in front of her, and then mm-hmm. made her, he violated her in every way, in every way. Yeah. Well, and come, she
0: wasn't she going to become a nun? Yeah, yeah, she
2: was at the coven. He went to the coven.
0: Well, yeah, but it's also, like, that's why I think it would be he took even that more her. violating mm-hmm. is because nuns aren't supposed to, like, indulge in any of that. Yeah. She mm-hmm. had
2: taken those vows and then he forced her to, like, actually go against all her vows. I yeah. mean, it was just – it's seriously awful, Um, which is why – I mean, it's a whole interesting thing with Holtz, why I think Holtz is very justified in his in vendetta. Oh, yeah.
1: Which makes that – that like season and that big bad really like enticing because mm-hmm. you're like, I completely understand where Holtz is coming from. I yeah. really do. But exactly. then you also see how Angel is now, which makes us such a good tension between a villain and the heroine. And right. that's why you have to make things like, that's what makes like a good season is when like the conflict makes sense from both sides. Yeah. Exactly,
2: um, so there's that, but then there's also I don't know if you guys remember in Angel season five, It's episode eight, Destiny, where Spike you know has joined up with Darla and Angel, and he has Drusilla now, and then you have Angel very or I guess I should say Angelus who is dominating Spike, and they're playing the whole like King of the hill type thing, and then. Spike finds out that Angel is sleeping or Angelus is sleeping with Drusilla. It comes in on them having sex. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. And then Angel baits him and comes and wraps his arms around Drusilla. She holds her hands out for Spike and says, come get her, knowing that Spike is afraid of him. And it's Angelus asserting his dominance as Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm the master of this house. I can take your girl if I want to. And so all of that is their history in this moment when Angel is baiting him. You can bet you that Spike is going to get his feathers ruffled. So that was kind of jumping ahead. But I wanted to talk about when Giles is explaining what happened to Willow in the library after Buffy brings Kendra back and they're trying to figure out and everything. How Buffy looks very uncomfortable with the fact that Kendra is a slayer. And I think that kind of stems back to Buffy's like, oh. Do I have a role in this world? Like if someone else can be a slayer and I don't actually fit into the world of a normal girl, like where – what's my line, you know? Mm. I wrote that in Conversations with Dead People, which is season seven, episode seven, Holden says that she has an inferiority complex, but she has a superiority complex about it. I wrote that Buffy doesn't like the responsibility of being a slayer, but that she also likes being the slayer. And I think that's funny Mm. because –
0: But I mean, honestly, (laughs) same. Like, I would that like that, me, would that would be, be me too. <laughs>
2: yeah. Right. Because there's a part of you that kind of has to be like, I am better than everyone because I ultimately have to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have some sort of authority. But then you're also like, woe is me because I have all this responsibility and I have to make all these sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And so it's that constant tension. Um, But I think it's interesting. Marty Noxon was talking about in the director's commentary, she was saying that she – at the beginning of the episode, again, it's been a while since she'd seen it. She was like, Oh, I don't know that Buffy and Kendra ever really became friends because there's that tension of them both being the only slayer. But then by the end of the episode, she was like, Oh, maybe they actually like do became friends. Like it's, it's been a while since she's seen it. And I actually think that there was a really true friendship that came out of oh, I agree. Kendra yeah. and Buffy's yeah, I interactions.
0: Think, I think that's partially why Buffy tried so hard. I think I, Definitely think I've said this before, but I think that's why Buffy tried so hard with Faith was because she knew that as Slayers, you can get along and that bond can be very powerful. So I think that's why she tried so hard with Faith and why she fought so hard for Faith.
1: But also like in Becoming Part One where she like sees her, she's very happy to see her. It's not like, a oh, you're back. It's like they had a genuine connection um, you see several moments of that, like even though Kendra's only in for like two and a half episodes, I feel like we get a lot of her in those two and a half. That's what makes me think that she's always in a lot more than she is. um, but even in like becoming part one, she gives her like Mr. pointy she they have that c- cute little like conversation. and the end of this one, they have that really great like one on one when she's walking around to the car and they have that really great conversation. like I feel like I never once thought that they weren't friends or that they at least didn't have mutual respect for each other.
2: Yeah. It's just an interesting concept because then, you know, in season seven, you have Faith recovering from falling into that pool of water and Buffy coming in. They're talking about the scythe and everything. And I think it's Buffy. I don't know if it's Buffy or Faith that says maybe we were not meant – maybe that's why we don't get along because – I'm paraphrasing – something about how like maybe there was never meant to be more than one Slayer existing at at one time. And I – I Faith think, did that. Yeah, okay. I think that that was just the show trying to misdirect us and not think that they were going to end up having all the potentials
1: turned mm. into Slayers
2: at the very end because I think it has been clearly established that Slayers can become friends. It's just a matter of Faith burned Buffy so many times.
0: Yeah. No, I agree, honestly. I really, really love Faith and I think that she has a great redemption arc, but their relationship was very 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 different than Kendra's and Buffy's
2: yeah and i mean i know i'm word jumping everywhere but that leads to the very end when she says you know choosing the power can't have the power will have the power and it's all about sharing power and i think that's such a beautiful message versus oh let's pit strong women against each other at the very end let's all help each other and share our power and i think that's a much more beautiful yeah. message
0: speaking of slayers i wanted to talk about the scene where Xander first sees uh, Kendra. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) And he has the line where he says, like, oh, I like I have a thing for slayers. Like, I like that in a woman. And I mean, he definitely stuck to his word because every single slayer that we see, besides obviously all the potentials at the end, which are wildly too young for him at that point, he ends up having a thing for
2: Like, oh, he has a thing for all the potentials. Do you remember his sexy dream? Yep. Oh gosh, he's uh, in his apartment. He has a dream about them all having a pillow fight they their pajamas. Ew, no, all the of them. Thing? And Ew. then he wakes up, and they're all like, "Xander, the toilet is flooded," or something like that.
0: Yeah. It's one. It's so interesting to me that that he ends up losing his virginity to Faith, and then you know is in love with Buffy, and then for the literal split second that Kendra is there, he like is into her too. But I also just think that it's very interesting, like, the fact that he's kind of, like, (laughs) self-aware and the fact that, like, he recognizes that he's into strong women. And, like, I think we've talked about how before that's actually, like, something that we've always found interesting about his character is that we would think that Xander would be into, you know, girls who find him super manly and tough and, you know, but he has just always been drawn to powerful, strong women. And we see that with Cordelia, Anya. Faith, Kendra, and Buffy, like, all very powerful, strong women. Even Willow, like, when Ultimately she starts... in the comics, Dawn. <laughs> it, okay. Oh, God. I never Sorry, needed keep know going. That. <laughs> No, you're fine. Ew. Um, but even, like, Willow, I think Willow, once she became more confident and powerful that's when in he a noticed way... her. That's when he noticed her, which, again, weird. But... <laughs> At least, like, it just has always interested me that he is at least secure enough in himself to want to be with a powerful woman. And I just always found that really interesting. Mm -hmm.
1: He likes to challenge himself. Like, I will say that about Xander, is he's not shy when it comes to a lot of things. I think he is self-deprecating a ton, but I think that he does like to challenge himself. Do I think that he deserves a lot of the stuff that he kind of goes for? Maybe not. But I do respect his efforts. Yeah.
2: I think it's really interesting how Kendra's death very much mirrors Buffy's. And the reason why I say that is because they talk about how a dark power is going to rise in Sunnydale. That's why Kendra gets sent to Sunnydale is because her watcher says a very dark power is going to rise. Mm-hmm. That dark power is Drusilla. Drusilla ends up rising. And why does Drusilla end up rising? Because Kendra put Angel – in this position for Willie to be able to give him to Spike. I wonder how they would have gotten Angel to Drusilla and Spike if Kendra hadn't been there. So in a lot of ways, it's the whole prophecy-fulfilling thing where Buffy was like, ooh, Buffy's going to be the catalyst for the Master Rising. Kendra is kind of fulfilling the prophecy of Dark Power Rising. So if Kendra hadn't followed the Dark Power Rising thing, then she wouldn't have died. So I just think it's really interesting that whole free choice versus mm. prophecy tension that we see for the rest of the series
1: the bedroom scene where i mean we kind of touched on this a little bit yeah no but when do you know what i'm about to say yeah i was gonna <laughs> go ahead <take> it. <laughs> let's see if, if it's uh, actually the same thing i hope it's not because i want to see what you would say but um when drusilla wants to play with angelus do you know what i'm about to say Sarah? I don't know, keep going, <laughs> okay, well because she's like talking about how she wants to like play with him, meaning like torture him, and I just got like major the wish vibes with like um a uh, vampire willow, oh yeah, and she she talks about how she wants to play with puppy, and I think I don't know if they said puppy in this scene, but she talks about how she wants to play with him, and he's like being tortured again in this one. But I like how he came on top with this one where he was like, well, I'm going to play them back. Whereas I feel like the Wish version of that alternate universe with Angel, he doesn't have Buffy. He never met her until that one night where she comes and like rescues him. But I think it was like, he was like, well, what's the point? He never found his his identity. He never found his reason to get back into like being the warrior that he was. So he just kind of let it happen. Mm. Whereas in this one, he's like, I don't know. He kind of flipped it on his head and was like, well, if you're going to mess with me, I'm going to mess with you. And it's cool to see the different worlds of Angel respond to being tortured like that.
2: Yeah. No, that was actually not what I was going to say, but what I was oh, going to say. Oh, you know, yeah. yay. Something different. More stuff. Yeah. It's interesting because Buffy's outfit in this episode is almost identical to yeah, what is. she wears in the Wish. She's just wearing the flannel. So I think it's really interesting that the Wish verse Buffy is very much like Kendra with the exception mm-hmm. of the fact that she's got the flannel, which kind of I think represents a little bit more of her humanity and her being a normal girl. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and it's also really cute because when Kendra comes back in, um, becoming part one, she's wearing like a tank top and cargo pants, kind of like what Buffy was wearing in the episode that Kendra mm. came in. So she's Aww. trying to
1: like copy, rubbing Buffy. off. So cute. Oh. I know. Poor Kendra deserves. I better.
2: love her so much. I know. So sweet. When I first watched the show, I was like, "Dang it!" I didn't like Faith initially.
1: I didn't either. Honestly, for a long time, I didn't yeah. like Faith.
2: I still get really frustrated with season three, Faith. Um, yes, I understand her a little bit more now, but I still she still irritates me a little bit. I love, I agree. you know, season every other Faith, but I think it's interesting. Like my first rewatch, I was like, "Man, why couldn't have Faith been the one that died and Kendra was the one that lived?" Because I really like Kendra.
1: I've been like holding off on my feelings for Faith. Until we get to season three, because I have lots of them, and I feel like we get so much of faith in every single episode. Which you know, she's such a three dimensional character. Like I have nothing against what they did with her character. I think, like, I don't know, she does things I really, fr- I'm really frustrated about. But I don't know. Oh, man, I should just hold off because I just have way too much. To we will say get about into that. it. There's a lot yeah. to say. Um,
2: in this scene in the bedroom, it's really interesting because. Marty Noxon talks about how she likes to write S&M for Spike and Drusilla's relationship. Oh, I see. Because Drusilla really likes pain. And so you have the whole, you've been a very bad daddy to Angel, which is very sexual. But it's also like he literally is like her vampiric daddy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So weird.
2: It's so weird. But it's like, okay, it's a really good metaphor for how twisted – like remember what I talked about with Drusilla at the very beginning? There's a very twisted innocence about her. How she's taken everything pure. Well, I guess I should say angel has taken everything pure and innocent about her and has twisted it and made it darker. And so what should be a sweet relationship, I say in quotes with her metaphorical father is actually just this very twisted sexual thing, you know? Um, also Joss Whedon said that. Marty Noxon's writing for S&M was her hallmark, a perverse sense of sexuality, which I think is very interesting because Marty Noxon is the showrunner for season six. And ah. season six has a lot of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then Marty Noxon was like, can you blame me? Look at James. Look at his cheekbones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that the ending of this episode is very interesting to me because We see, like, this weird, at least in my eyes, this weird parallel where Drew is very weak and she's very, like, kind of beaten down. And then this is, like, the height of what we see Kendra, where she's, like, helping Buffy. They both take down Spike. I don't know. It's just, it's, this is where we kind of see her best. And then the next time we see her, we see Drew still at her most powerful. And then we see... Obviously, Kendra at her weakest where she dies. And so I think it's just very interesting to see both of them kind of switch. I, I don't know. I just always thought that was
2: interesting. In the basement when Cordelia and Xander kiss, it's interesting because later they use the same set in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. And eventually, like Xander ends up moving into a basement in season four, which – that whole thing is how Xander feels like he's continually trapped in the basement. Like he's watching all his friends move on with their lives and he feels like he can't move on, which I think is really interesting because this episode is all about career day or these two episodes are all about careers. And so I think it's just like they did not plan it, but it's very clever foreshadowing of Xander feeling metaphorically trapped in the basement. Like he can't get out and he's, you know, he got. Selected to be a prison guard. He doesn't think he's going to go to college, like all this stuff. And he's watching all his friends move on in their lives. And I don't know. I just thought that was a really interesting thing. Um, mm-hmm. And Marty Knoxon also said that she thinks that they should send Nicholas Brendan to Los Angeles to go visit Cordy because at the time that this – Uh, Season 2 commentary was recorded. They were writing for Season 5 of Buffy. Mm. And she said she did not think that Cordelia and Xander were done yet, which is really sad because Cordelia and Xander never meet each other again on screen Mm -hmm. once she leaves Mm -hmm. Sunnydale.
0: I will say, though, as much as like, that is kind of sucky because you're like, oh, I would have liked to see, you know, Cordelia and Xander interact again. I think that the best thing for Cordelia's character was getting out and not being with Xander anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that at the time, being with Xander helped her grow up a lot. But I think that their relationship hit a point where it was only unhealthy for her because Xander was just terrible. And so I think that if they had made a weird love story for them in the future or just even had them interact again in the future, I don't necessarily think I would have wanted Cordelia back in that environment.
1: I just think that they didn't fit. After high school, I think that they grew in very different ways. I think that Xander grew up a ton, but I think it took him a while. And I think that Cordelia grew a massive amount. And I think that hers is a lot faster than his. And I think that they just didn't fit as a couple anymore. Like, they just didn't mesh.
2: I think honestly, it just came down to Cordelia was in love with Xander and Xander wasn't in love with her. Mm-hmm. Like, he never was. Like, I know we're like jumping the gun on so many things, but I firmly believe that shown throughout the show that Xander just never really cared for Cordelia. I think it was a, I think it was a fling. I think that's all it was to him. I think he was attracted to her, but I don't think that he truly cared for her because I think he was still fixated on Buffy. And then yeah. when he was done being fixated on Buffy,
1: then he moved on to Willow. Yep. I think it was just like the idea of her because she was so like desirable and she was popular and like, like everything that insecure Xander would want. And I think it was like more of an ego boost. And as soon as he got her, he was like, hmm, who else could I try to get? Oh, I haven't thought about Willow and she's dating somebody. So, oh, are my chances done? Like, like, I thought she was going to be around and I could have, I could think about it longer, but gosh, let me get me started. There's so much to say about season three. I'm so stoked. Like, season two is my personal favorite. But I feel like a lot of the times it's a little bit more slow burn and we, it definitely pays off, especially like the second half of the season. It's wild. But third season, it's like from the get go, there's only really like one skip episode in season three and there's just so much to talk about. But yeah, I feel like we're jumping the gun. Um,
2: once again in Drew's bedroom, <laughs> this is in the second shot when Drusilla is talking about, um, her parents and her family and she sings that lamb song that we heard her sing again. And I think it was in Halloween or Lie to Me. Who's lied to me? Which one? Lied to me. Okay. So Drew is torturing Angel with the holy water, but she's also torturing him with the memories of her family. It's interesting because she's possessed by a demon, but it seems like the demon is trying to get some sort of like revenge or something because of Drew's family being killed. Or maybe I guess revenge wouldn't be the right word. It's like the demon is taking pleasure and glee in torturing Angel. Mm -hmm. Um, But she talks about, she says they used to eat cake and eggs and honey. And it reminded me very much of Anya's monologue in the body when she talks about how she was having fruit punch and Joyce won't have any. And I think it's interesting. Like Mm -hmm. it's the compare two comparisons of like people that are no longer here that used to do very normal things and they will never do those normal things again. And I thought that was a really interesting comparison. And in Drew, it was a very much a like, the way she said it was very angry and very, like, almost like she's on the verge of a breakdown. Like, they used to eat eggs and cake and honey and, like, like angry versus Anya was just, like, a why. Um, So I just thought that was just an interesting, it kind of gave me flash-forwards, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, first off, screw you for bringing that up, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> that Stop scene, her. I the body itself is very emotional, and every time I re-watch it, I'm always like, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And, but as soon as Anya gives that monologue, I cry every time. Like I cannot cry at that moment. Like I'm I'm fine, usually up until then, usually. But that monologue, like, really makes me sad. But that is really interesting that you bring the correlation between both those things. Cause I think it's it's intriguing to view it from two different demon perspectives. Because drusilla is really crazy and i feel like she's not really able to really process her emotions because she's not mentally all there and her sitting there kind of using it against him and so i think she's not allowing herself to really kind of like you're saying Sarah, like she feels like she's on the verge of like a breakdown i think she's not allowing herself to think about it whereas like anya is now human and she doesn't understand her emotions. And so when she was explaining it, she was just like, I don't understand why she can't just do all these things. Why she can't just have the fruit punch. Um, it's just, they're, they're executed and written very differently. And both of them are just so jarring. They're so intelligent. Yeah. yeah I mean, Drusella doesn't have a soul.
2: So it's yeah. very interesting and layered to watch that scene to be like, what is mm-hmm. Drusilla actually thinking? Is she like, cause it, you're like, oh, she's just torching and jealous, but she's saying those things with such feeling mm-hmm. and emotion to, mm-hmm. like, as if she's actually experiencing them. And so, yeah, she has the memories, but she doesn't have the capabilities to love, or does she? I don't know. It's just very interesting. I'm curious what you guys all think, what Drusilla is thinking in that moment. Um,
1: I just, I, oh, man. I'm just such a huge shipper of Spike and Drusilla. Whenever yeah. they're in season two, I'm just like, I, I feel like it was so early to talk about Spuffy and I won't go there, but I just like, I really feel like Spike and Drusilla were just like meant to be together. I, I mean, it I, shows their emotion when they're with each other. So when you say like if she's thinking about emotion, I feel like this is one of those times where you can kind of see the, the humanity in Drusilla.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that Spike and Drusilla as a unit are very interesting, and I think that their kind of stories together work in just creating such a creepy villain. And I just think that they kind of create this dynamic that I feel like is very hard to rival with throughout the show. Just as a villain, they're incredible, but also just as characters, they are just so interesting their and so fascinating. Their chemistry is really their interesting. Their chemistry, yeah. Like I just. Every time they are on my screen, I am floored. Like, yeah. as individuals and as a couple, like, they draw my attention every single time.
2: It's interesting because Juliet Lando said that her and James Marsters – would get together and rehearse and actually block their own scenes and practice. And then when they would get together with, you know, the people who actually do block the scenes, a lot of times their ideas would be used, whether it was in that episode or in later ones, because everyone thought they just had phenomenal chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could just really tell that both of them worked well together and they both really, really loved working together.
1: Yeah. It definitely translates.
2: Yeah. So the last scene in Drusilla's bedroom. Sorry, every single one is just really interesting. Um, I Um, And I know we talked a little bit about this earlier, but it's just – I wanted to add what Marty Noxon said about this scene. Marty says Drusilla was very vulnerable and curious, and if anyone caught her eye, she would have no problem being with them, and Spike knows this. Which I think is really interesting because this is back before all of the Spike and Drusilla flashbacks and stuff in the end of season five of angel mm-hmm. so it's interesting that marty is pegging this and writing this all the way back in season two in such a way that drusilla is kind of like attracted to and curious and interested in angel and spike is insecure about that
1: mm. okay so this is a little something small for all the is it bengal or bangel i think it's bangel i think bex just showed I us like that we were doing Bangle. it wrong i like, like bengal I think it Angel makes sense, weird. though. I've Angel sounds weird. I've heard it both Bangel. ways.
2: You guys can say it however you want to. I think most
1: people know. Okay, bangle.
2: <laughs> I just, it
1: just reminds me of bagels, so I just like to say bangle. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, she says, nobody messes with my boyfriend at the end of this like episode. And uh, I just had like huge flashbacks that I will remember you. Because I think, as far as like you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's only really two times we see... Angel really, really weak and him lying down and her like comforting him and like stroking (gasps) his face. I have this written down too. And she's helping him and I will remember you. And she says, she said, um, get away from my boyfriend or she refers to him as her boyfriend. She gets angry and she like beats the crap out of the person and then ends up like gently stroking his face as he's like, like really weak and she's being the strong one for them. And it's, like, almost completely mirrored in this mm-hmm. episode. And it's just so, so sweet. Yeah, I uh, loved that, too. I Bangle thought it was just, precious. like, makes my heart flutter. I just love it. And
0: cry.
2: I know. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally saw that, too. I was like, oh, my gosh, that shot is almost, like, Exactly the same. yeah, And that's the thing with I Will Remember You, there are so many callbacks to little moments throughout the series because they're trying to show you – well, I know we're like showing our hands, but I think they're trying to show you that they are forever love,
1: that they are eternal
2: and Mm. that they're soulmates. And also I Will Remember You was supposed to be kind of like the closing chapter – Really on their relationship. Um, so that Angel could kind of move on and do different things, but yeah. Leah laughed. It just, <laughs> Leah's like, no, they're it not was they're supposed to be, but Caribbean but island no. somewhere with <laughs> fat babies. Um, I want to talk about how in Restless, um, Willow is at the bronze sitting at a table talking in French to a monkey wearing a fez hat. And when her and Oz meet, they're talking about how there's a little monkey and the monkeys are French. And they wear pants and hats. Oh, really cute. Wait,
1: what yeah. episode
2: was that? Restless season four finale.
1: Oh, really? hmm No way. Yeah. There's so much in that episode that we just keep like – or we, Sarah, keeps mentioning <laughs> um, that I just like did not pick up. That episode, so much is happening – I get scared like I know this is a tangent but I keep thinking about when we
2: have to record that one and I'm like we might have to take like two episodes to record the spoiler section and two episodes to record the spoiler free because I and I don't even know how we're going to do that spoiler free. How do you talk about that episode without spoiling anything? I don't know. Just connect Lord it knows. to
1: nightmares. Yeah. And just say this is important. Remember this part. We can't say why. Yeah, this you is will is know important. in one episode. Yeah. For real. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to it when we get
2: there. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think that's kind of to show um, that there's a little part of Oz that will always be with Willow because at that point she's with Tara, you know. Um, Yeah, so that's everything for me. I just have one last question. Well, actually, okay, I have a couple questions to leave us all with because – the answers everyone's been giving on the posts have been super insightful and I'm really loving these comments and dialogue that we're having on the posts. So, here are a couple of questions for all of us to kind of sit and chew on and yeah. So, here's here's the first one. Is Buffy learning to see past the demon inside of Angel or is she ignoring it? So, like, I know this is kind of talking about part one, but when Buffy, like, strokes Angel's face and says that she doesn't see or she didn't even notice the demon. And then in this episode, it's very much Kendra being like, he's a vampire. He should die. He should die. And then by the end of season two, Buffy's like, yeah, Angel should die as well. And then we'll talk about this in Bad Eggs, too. But, like, is Buffy's judgment clouded by her love for Angel? Should she maybe be seeing the demon inside of Angel? Like, she can still love him, but still recognize that there's a dark and dangerous side to him. What do you guys
0: think? I think that, um, for the first two seasons, Buffy is mainly ignoring it simply because, Mm -hmm. in her mind, there's no reason to acknowledge it because Angel has not done anything that would suggest she needs to be aware of it. Um, but I think that after Angelus. She acknowledges it and knows who he is, but, like, ultimately just loves who
1: he is, you know? I think there's a difference between hearing about his past and experiencing it, Mm. which is why I think they had Angelus in the second half of the season, is because the first half you kind of get snippets of it and you see a little bit about who Angelus could be. But then, as soon as Angelus actually was Angelus, I think, like, obviously, like, in, um, innocence, he hurt her a ton by what he said, but I don't even think she really fully grasped Angelus until passion. That's my opinion. Yeah. I think right now she's, she's aware of who he used to be, but she's separating mm. Angel and Angelus because she's only ever known Angel and she can't comprehend that that's who he used to be. I think there's a mixture of ignoring it and then not fully understanding it because you can hear about it and be like, okay, that's who you used to be, but not fully really understand who it was until she actually has to experience it.
2: Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, can you blame her? In her mind, Angelus is gone, like long mm-hmm. gone, and is never coming back. She doesn't realize that there's a little a tiny loophole where he would yeah. come back. No one
1: know? did at this point.
2: Yeah, seriously. Um, so then, my second question was: If Kendra had survived, how do you think her living would have changed the show?
0: Well, I mean, for one thing, Faith wouldn't be there. Um, sure. I don't think she Faith, would have stayed. No, she she wouldn't have stayed. But I mean, she would have. I think she would have been a reoccurring character. I think this question is less so. What do you think would have changed if Kendra was there? And more so, what do you think would have changed if Faith wasn't? Well, okay. Let's
2: imagine that Kendra, like, died just like Buffy did and then got resuscitated. Imagine Faith comes along, but Kendra is also there.
0: Okay. I think that, like, Buffy is forced to grow up a lot by there being an out-of-control slayer and no one else to kind of ring her in. And so I think that as sucky as it is to see Faith kind of go crazy in season three, Buffy grows astronomically in season three because she is forced into a role of mm-hmm. kind the of controlling slayer. herself. Yes. And Faith kind of forces Buffy to see the darker sides of herself and kind of accept them, but then challenge herself. And I think that if Buffy had a f- safety net like Kendra, um,
1: she would not have grown up as much as she did. I just don't really know how Kendra would have fit in if they'd brought in faith. I feel like it would have been too much if there would have been three Slayers, even if Kendra came in sporadically. I don't know if that really necessarily a fit. I think the only time they really would have used Kendra is to kind of bring Buffy back to who she's supposed to be, especially if faith is there like kind of bring her back like an and um kind of what she was used for in the second season is to like challenge where Buffy was at and to give her the other perspective of the other side of a slayer. So I can see her being more so of a foil to Buffy, which I think would have kind of done her uh, like a, a misjustice as a character if she's only used for that. I, again, I have no idea how they would even use her, but that's like the only way in my mind that they could use her as a character if they brought in faith just to kind of show that the difference, the polar opposites of Kind of like what I think it was you, Sarah, how, like, the difference of Slayer would look like without friends and family. But I I just don't know what else they would have done with their character unless they were doing that with her in season three as well.
2: I think it would have been really interesting to see, like, as Kendra would have come back in her reoccurring role to see her like show how she's been growing, how she's becoming more like, hey, I have family now. You'd hear glimpses of like, I have a boyfriend or, you know, like just different things. I reconnected with my family. And then over time seeing how Kendra has kind of – I think Kendra had a really good shot of being a very healthy slayer. I think Mm she had a grasp of her power. She accepted it. She was very well learned, but you also see an ability to adapt and change and grow because she even comes back and she's got different clothes on. Like she's more relaxed. She seems more personable. Like she's kind of figured things out. And I think that she now has friends in Buffy, you know? So I think that it would have been neat to see her. I think she would have grown astronomically throughout the times that she would have come back. And I think it would have been really helpful to have her come back, particularly in season seven. Oh, I think that it would have been so different. I think Kendra would have sided with Buffy in empty places. I think Kendra would have Mm. had her back when everybody was throwing her out because Kendra would have understood what it meant to be a leader and what it would have meant to stand by her side. I think Kendra also would have been the one to come and say, hey, Buffy, like – I think Kendra would have found balance at that point. Say, yeah, be a general, be a leader, but still be kind. And, um, I think Kendra also would have been really great in pulling her out of her funk in season six, too, and maybe relating with her. I think Kendra just would have been a really wonderful character to have come back in all of those in- situations and scenarios. She just has
1: so much potential. She really and like, did. I-, I could sit here and be like, Oh, I could see it going here. I could see it going there, but I just, it's such a missed opportunity. Just because I feel like she could have been used for a lot of different things. And I'm obviously not a writer. Don't put me in the writer's room. So from me like speculating about season three, I I hope they wouldn't have gone that route. But it would have been cool to see her be like a, I don't know, that guide for Buffy when she needed it. Because I think that Buffy just felt so exhausted and alone, especially because of Faith in season three. And she's like, I'm the one having to make all the hard decisions. Like, I'm the burden slayer and you're the let's go have fun slayer. Especially we we see that in like, you know, in season seven as well. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that there's a
2: missed opportunity. I understand Kendra's role. I understand why she was there. I think somebody needed to die. Somebody needed to be the catalyst. I'm okay with it being a slayer simply because I think it fits well within the mythology and also with – um. catalyst for Buffy's growth, growth specifically as a Slayer. It's just, it sucks that it had to be Kendra. Mm -hmm. Mm. Anyways, I think this is our longest Scooby secrets yet. And I think they're just going to keep getting longer, but that's okay. Hopefully you guys don't mind. I don't think we mind too horribly much. Um, but yeah, you guys, we have a lot to talk about. And hopefully you guys have a lot to think about and let us know on our post or message us or email us. You guys can find us on Instagram at becoming Buffy podcast. We have some really good dialogue there. Please let us know what you guys think Kendra would be doing if she survived, how she would have impacted the Buffyverse. Um, And if you think that Buffy is ignoring Angel's dark side or if she just doesn't see it. Um, So yeah, just let us know, you guys. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you guys next time.